Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short Bible study about 13 minutes each day to get us into God's Word every single day. We're thankful to be able to be with you and help you to get into God's Word on this consistent basis because being in God's Word is central to the development and the growth and the strength of our faith. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. But being in God's Word every day, even for this short period of time, well, it helps us to stay focused on our relationship with God. It helps us to have a better, more spiritual and positive mindset to be able to deal with all that life throws at us, each day. We always encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can every day. You may help somebody turn their life around. You may help somebody ultimately get to heaven. What a great blessing that will be for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing. Now you can do that easily through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means, but share with your family members, your friends, your neighbors, your work associates, with literally everybody you can every day. Make that commitment and start sharing today. We're going to begin a new line of thought and study. Well, actually, it's new as far as a development of what we've been studying. But it's really the, the next part of what we began last time, asking the question, why do bad things happen to good people? This is a question that comes up in the minds of people on a regular and repeated basis. Something bad happens to somebody they know, or maybe to themselves, maybe to a family member, maybe to a, a friend or a work associate, maybe to a relative, either close or distant. And they, they know those people in their mind as being good people. And they say, well, why did that have to happen to them? And it could be any number of situations. It could be illness or injury. It could be some kind of pain that they have to live with on an ongoing basis, chronic. It could be severe suffering of one sort or another, various handicaps, mental illness. Why did that, why did that couple, they're such good people, why did their baby have to be born mentally handicapped? What about the loss of job, or financial ruin, or drought, or famine, or natural disasters, or a parent, a couple of parents looking forward to their baby to be born soon, and the baby is still born, or there are terrible accidents that somebody they know have experienced, and that has changed their life maybe not just for the immediate future, but for the rest of their lives. Or what about death in the family? Now, we all know that everybody dies ultimately till the Lord comes again. But it's one thing to understand that somebody has been elderly in their years and they've died. We say that's natural. But what about when a young person dies or maybe even a child dies? I've seen that many times in my career as a gospel minister. But we ask the question, well, why? Why now? Why did that have to happen? What about wars and violence and terrorism and murder and theft and evil and inhumanity and all kinds of various forms? And who suffer? Who suffers at the hands of those realities, those actions? So much of the time, it's innocent people. And we might even say good people. Well, if God is the creator and he is in control, then a lot of people, they wonder, why, why does he allow such things to happen? And in the first part of this study, why do bad things happen to good people? 
we gave the one word, bottom line, foundational answer, sin. Sin is the problem. A lot of people, they, they don't like to hear that particular answer. They want there to be something in their mind that would be more profound, that would be deeper. There is no, more, there is no answer that is deeper than this. Sin is the problem. And we pointed out in Genesis chapter 3 that when mankind entered into sin, everything changed. There was no death before man sinned and became sinner, a sinner. When man became a sinner, death became a reality. God warned the first man and the first woman that that would happen if they disobeyed him and ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They would become sinners, and death would become an instant reality. Now, what happens? What is associated with death? Disease, pain, sickness, dying. Well, also, murders, violence, wars. We could go on and on, couldn't we? Accidents, injuries, all kinds of factors contribute to physical death. And what goes along with a lot of those factors? Pain, suffering, sorrow torment, agony. You see, it all goes back to sin. All goes back to sin. Well, in the second part, we're going to look at another understanding as to why bad things happen to good people. When the psalmist, when, he, when we read that in Psalm 39 verses 9 and 10, uh, 31 verses 9 and 10, the psalmist said, have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye wastes away with grief, yes, my soul and my body, for my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. Now, why is all of that? Well, to a great extent, because of the reality of sin and the consequences of sin, not just in his life, but all around him. My years with sighing, my strength fails because of my iniquity, and my bones waste away. My strength fails because of my iniquity. That's sin. It's difficult for us to, a lot of times, analyze things to that depth and finally come to that profound understanding that sin is the real problem. Now, I'm not talking about somebody falling and breaking their leg as a means of punishment from God because they committed a sin. I'm talking about the prevalence of sin within the human race. Sin is everywhere around us, and there are consequences of sinful lifestyles and sinful actions. Sin is that bottom line foundational answer. Now, let's look a little bit more deeply and a little bit more analytically. What are some of the, the, the contributing factors as to why bad things happen to good people? Well, first, we need to come to grips with the fact that what we count as being good and goodness in people, so thereby, when we look at someone and say, that's a good person, we're not always getting that correct. Not to the degree that we need to be understanding. We attribute goodness to ourselves. We say, I'm trying to be a good person, okay? Tell me about what you do how you live. A whole lot of people who would say that, they don't worship God. Oh, yes, I do. I go every Easter. <laughs> well, boy, that is abundant dedication, isn't it? 
I remember somebody, there was a lady who was interviewed on TV and uh, an old historic church building in Paris, I believe, burned down just a few years ago, and she was upset. She said, that was our church. We went every Easter, I believe she said. Maybe she said every Christmas Eve and Easter. Well, boy, that is real commitment to God, isn't it? You went twice a year. Wow. You really went out of your way, didn't you? <laughs> you went above and beyond the call. You see what I'm talking about. We think of ourselves as being good, but are we really good? We attribute goodness to ourselves and to others on a faulty basis a lot of times. Now, think about the Lord's response and ask yourself, what, what basis, on what basis do you consider yourself or you consider some other person to be good? What is the basis for determining a person to be a good person? In Matthew chapter 19, Matthew chapter 19, and we look at verses 16 and 17, a familiar story. A young man comes to Jesus and he poses a question to our Lord. Behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he, that is Jesus, said to this young man, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Well, Jesus responded in a way that I'm sure the young man did not expect. He addressed Jesus as good teacher. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? Now, was Jesus denigrating himself? Was he claiming that he was not good? Of course not. Very possibly, he was using something of a play on words. Because, you see, there was a phrase of identity that was used by the Jews for hundreds of years. And that phrase was, the good, the good. And that was understood as to apply properly only to God, only to God. And so Jesus very possibly was asking the young man, are you calling me God now? Well, of course, he is God the Son. He came to this earth as the Son of God, God the Son, the Savior of mankind. And so perhaps he was using something of that play on words in asking the young man, why do you call me good? Do you recognize who I really am? Interesting response by our Lord. Interesting response. And the young man was asking, what good thing must I do to have eternal life? We come back to that definition of goodness again, don't we? We have different perceptions of what it really means. Good teacher, why do you call me good? One is good, and that is God. The scriptures repeatedly refer to God as being good. I've tried to get across for many, many years in teaching and preaching that without God, there is no goodness. There is no definition of good. 
there is no understanding of goodness without God. If you take God out of the picture, you, you eliminate the only definition of true goodness. Now, for the person who's a, who does not believe in God, they're really up a creek, aren't they? Without a paddle. Now, they would protest and say, oh, no, no, there's, there's goodness. Let me tell you, this is good and that's good and that's good. On what basis would be the response? On what basis? Because, you see, there's no standard for true goodness without God. And they might say, well, we understand that humanity sees such and such as good. Well, humanity, you're talking about on a general basis, but human beings individually would disagree with your designations of certain things as being good. And then humanity as a whole keeps changing their mind as to what constitutes goodness. You see, we're all over the place. We're wishy-washy. There has to be a basic standard of goodness for true goodness to exist. And without God, there is no such standard. Goodness. We're going to look at the scriptures, or some of them, that refer to God as being good next time. Let's pray together. Father, you are totally good, righteous, holy, pure. Thank you for loving us and letting us love you. And please guide us to live the good life, the truly good life, before you, Father. We pray. Help us to glorify you through our lives. Help us, Father. Please forgive us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.